Dicen que las buenas se van al cielo, pero las malas, esas se comen el mundo entero. Es una chica mala y todos le dicen diabla por la manera en la que ella trata a todos los hombres los pone a sus pies. Es una diabla, mira la forma en la que ella baila y esas caderas que a mí me matan. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Songmas. My name is Richard Piegas, and well, here we are. It's still June. We're still got some incredible uh, guests and interviews, uh, and I'm really, really excited uh, for today's episode. Uh, right now, we're listening to a song called Diabla. This is featuring. Uh, this is by Gio Bravo, uh, and it's featuring Helen Ochoa. Uh, so we're gonna uh, wrap up the song. We'll be right back. Soy una diabla que vuelve loco a todos los hombres, es mi fama Oye, no es mi culpa si tu hombre me llama Por las noches cuando debe estar contigo Quiere amanecer conmigo sin pijama Que hacerlo una y otra vez, papi, dime si puedes Yo quiero un hombre que pueda pagar mi llama Como dicen a ti, siempre he sido una dama Pero una perra en la cara Yo no quiero amores, no quiero regalitos ni bombones Quiero una noche excitante de pasiones No me envíen flores Ni regalitos ni bombones, papi, enséñame qué rico tú lo pones Soy una diabla que descontrola toda tu calma Y estas caderas que a ti te matan, en mis brazos quieres amanecer Soy una diabla que descontrola toda tu calma Con besos y caricias en la cama, conmigo papi vas a lo que First, uh, just first, a disclaimer: if my audio is a little wonky, uh, my uh, recording equipment was not, you know, being forthcoming. Uh, but that doesn't get in the way of this fabulous interview, this fabulous guest. I want to give a warm welcome to Gio Bravo, uh, all the way, I believe, from California. Uh, what's going on? Welcome to Songness. Hey, thank you for inviting me. First of all, it's super awesome to finally meet you and kind of, you know, get to know a little bit about each other. I appreciate all the support you've been giving me. Um, thus far, so it's definitely awesome to put a face um, on the name, and yeah. uh, super excited to share this time with you right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I even like apologized a little bit with this invitation because I feel like every time I write about you, it's in a pride context, and I'm one of those people who like I like I'm like pride content is important and all that jazz, but also like you know like 
like artists from across, you know, the LGBT spectrum, like we, you know, we all exist. We like, we need to eat in like January too, you know, like, like, and like October, you know? So, um, so I, you know, again, so like the, I, I've been a little like uh, apologetic to like all the people that I've invited for the series. Uh, but you were definitely one of the first names that came to mind uh, when I was, when I was drafting my list, especially because like, I mean, I, I, we're going to talk a little bit about it in, uh, further on, but like, you know, even though you're not doing as much regional music anymore, like I've never had a regional artist on the show. So I was like really excited. Uh, I was like, oh, this is going to be cool. We can really get into the, into the meat of the, of the potato. Um, you know, I'd like to start with uh, the question that I always start every episode um, for the listeners at home who may not know Gio Bravo. Um, who are you and what is it that you do? Gio Bravo. Uh, yep, that's me. I'm, uh, you know, I'm a trans guy from L.A. And, um, you know, I started doing music professionally a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something I've always been pretty passionate about and, and I've always loved doing. I uh, started writing songs when I was about 12 years old. They were kind of more like poems. And um, just over time, they started turning into something with the melody, something more. But, you know, just being a songwriter at 12 years old and and not really knowing who you are what you are um it was a lot of whatever I wrote was a lot of content from a man's perspective towards a a woman you know so I knew that I loved music and all my idols like I mentioned were like John Sebastian, Pepe Aguilar, Vicente Fernandez sure um you know so these were all like men who were singing to women. And so when I wrote my songs, you know, I always wrote them in a man's perspective towards a woman. So then I would always say like, I'm never going to do music because I don't want to be like Jenny Rivera, you know, saying to like men, you know, I never wanted to be like wearing a dress on stage and all this stuff, you know? So in my eyes, I was never going to be an artist. So then it was just like, I would write stuff and it was like a little box of my own little personal hidden treasure that I had. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when I, when I decided to um, come out as trans and, and really pursue that part of my life, it brought on like this whole different like sense of security and like confidence. And yeah. when my voice started changing, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do this. Yeah. So I, I don't know, I don't know what I was thinking, but I decided to like jump on this like, um, transition and doing music at the same time and it's been a hell of a crazy journey i'll tell you but it's definitely been uh the best years of my life so that's who i am trans guy from la who loves music i mean and honestly like that's really what matters is that you love music and that you love what you do i mean i mean and again we're going to be getting into it little by little but like you're clearly passionate about what you do and you are very, very adventurous, very voracious. I mean, I, again, like I described you as a regional artist, but we started with a reggaeton song because this yeah. is kind of like, <laughs> the, you know, the net, the new chapter of your career, which I find fascinating. It's such a wild jump from one to the other. I mean, these are very, very different genres. Although I think with uh, Corridos Tumbaos, we're kind of discovering that there are also a lot of similarities. Um, uh, yeah. Ah! <laughs> okay, well, we're, I was definitely going to ask about that at some point. <laughs> let's go. Let's let's go there. Um, how do we, how do we feel about Correos Tumbaos? Uh, feel free to take it wherever you want, and if it's controversial, that's great for me because those are clicks. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, they're not my favorite. 
Yeah, sure. That's Actually, fair. I don't really like them at all. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I mean, I, I respect everybody's craft. I think that if you do something that you're passionate about, by all means, yeah. go for it. Um, there's like a billion people on the planet, so my like my mom would always say, "Para todos hay algo," you know. Mm-hmm. So, but like everyone has their own audience, whatever. Like I respect it, but on a personal level, for me, that's a no go. Like, sure. I don't know any songs like. I wouldn't be able to name one for you mm. or anyone, you know, it's not something that's on my playlist. I don't really listen to it um, just because it's so different than what I mm. kind of grew up with as music. That's regional Mexicano. Sure. Um, that it's just not really like my thing, you know, it's kind of like, I, I just don't vibe to it, you know? I mean, I can, I can respect that. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I love Nathanael, da, da, da. But what I think is fascinating and what I, what I will definitely praise um, is this sort of uh, reinvigorated interest uh, in the genre. Because I think at least growing up, that's the, I'm not Mexican. I'm, my parents, I, you know, are not Mexican. You know, I did not grow up necessarily in a Mexican household, but like I grew up in Dominican Republic and on the radio, Mexican music dominates. Cause I mean, this is, you know, Mexico's the sun and like everything else is a satellite, you know? And so like, I grew up, like there was always rancheras and, you know, corridos and Norteño, like that was always on the radio. I think they could just license it for cheap or something. Um, and so like, I, I was like, Neh. you know, like I was just like, this is not for me. You know, this is definitely old people music. You know, and so that was always my impression is that this is like uncle music. This is grandpa music, <laughs> you know, and then I, I and I think that is the, the impression that many people had or like that it was very nostalgic, like, oh, my mom used to listen to this, you know, so like I, these songs are more nostalgic, but like to hear, you know, with the whole Correos Tumbado thing, I think a lot of people sort of were like, whoa, wait, hold on. Regional is continues to be extremely uh, prolific and, and productive. And there are new um, I don't know, like new adventurous artists. There are new ideas happening. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, my, my mom and dad's music, you know, like it, it can yeah. be. So I think that's fascinating. I like, I really yeah, like, like for me, for example, with in specifically with like Nathanael, right. I think it's super amazing that he kind of created this whole like new thing, like a new wave. And you can always yeah. um, praise somebody who creates something outside of the box, you know, and who had like the, bravery or, or you know to put it out there and say this is what I like to do and you know then you had people jump on and decide to that they want to do that style that's amazing I think my main issue to be honest with you is like even though people wouldn't expect it because you know like oh I'm trans and whatever like you know that's kind of breaks tradition and religion and all kinds of you know his like historically uh traditional stereotypical like Hispanic upbringing you know yeah but my problem is like, you could do that music, but you have to remember that when you become somebody at a certain um, platform with a certain outreach on people, like what you do as a person, not just in your music, also like it's transcending. So like, you cannot sit here in my opinion and like disrespect like, like our, older generation of musical artists who ultimately like open doors for regional mexicano who did all kind of stuff and then you know expect to be like oh well it's like an f you in the face you know what i mean 
that's like my issue. And then like, you know, you sit here and, and, and you kind of like put out like not the greatest message out there. And then you, you know, like they, cause I mean, I, I follow them. I, I know what's going on with the whole sure. like, to me live vibe and stuff. But then like, you cannot get upset when people criticize your music because of your personal actions, because mm. they, technically it's hand in hand, you know what I mean? So it's like, if you don't put out a message that you, I don't know if I'm explaining myself, right? Like, I mean, have they have they been disrespectful to like the legends? Cause Natanael yeah. just put out a song with, with, Vicente, with Vicente Fernandez, I mean. With, with Alejandro Fernandez. Alejandro, but, sorry, yes. But before he did that, you know, he disrespected Pepe Aguilar on a, on a national, on his platforms and like, you know, Oh shit! I didn't know that. It was pretty intense, you know. He, I mean, if you look it up, you'll see what I'm talking about. It was pretty bad, and you know, he had everyone talking about him, whether it was for publicity or not. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't know them. But for me, on a personal level, just you know, as a as a musician and as a young versus older person, it's just like it wasn't cool for me. I didn't like it. No, I and I super dig that. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know these people. I mean, he, you know, he he called. Pepe Aguilar, like somebody with no talent, like, whoa. Like, like, Pepe Pepe Aguilar is like, he comes from one of like the most historic families from Mexico in Mexican music. You know what I mean? His father, now his kids are doing music. Angel is super talented. I I super love what she's doing. So just like, you know, to me, that's just, I think that he's worked so hard for his, whatever he's doing, that when you allow things like that to taint your work, it's just mm. kind of like foolish, in my opinion. You know what I mean? You know, and- we were, for for the listeners at home before we got on, like before we started recording, we were talking about, you know, we were putting together the playlist, and you know, the the the, the topic of Bad Bunny came up of like, you know, how like he's a great artist, and like we respect him, and yada yeah. yada, and we like him, you know. But it's just like he's one of these artists that is above prey, uh, above criticism, which yeah. is very strange, because uh, like I mean, and this is something that I've said openly many a times. My, my colleagues do not criticize Bad Bunny. You know, my colleague, like, you know, and I'm like, I find that very, I, I find a lot of dismay in that, like the media does not criticize Bad Bunny. You know, I feel like there isn't a fair assessment, which ultimately I find is disre- disrespectful to the artist. Uh, I mean, because it means that you just take their work at face value and that you don't actually, you know, mean to break it down. I mean, obviously not everybody, but like, and you know, like if you're just a pop music fan, I dig it. You know, but like, um, you know, but like, I feel like other musicians like really listen to this stuff. And like, I, you know, like I know a ton of musicians who are like, no, he's incredible. And he's like actually a good musician and like bing, bang, boom, you know? And so like, and and again, like, I, I just, I would like to see more criticism and stuff like that. And like, I feel like Natanael, you know, has a bit of that like superhero narrative because he has basically paved his own lane, a very distinct yeah. that is doing huge you know has been massively successful and it's cool because now it's starting to converge with the more classic stuff like again like have releasing a song with alejandro fernandez it that knocked me on my ass i thought that was really cool um so yeah i just i feel like we need to be able to criticize i, I feel like we need to be able like again ultimately like it's that is actual respect of the artist is like being able to say you know I like this. I didn't like this. I would like to see more of this. Da 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 da. You know, like, because it means that you're actually paying attention to the work. Yeah, and so for example, like when, when specifically that, like what you mentioned, is very true. Like, I'm a big Bad Bunny fan, mm-hmm. but I can say that I'm an even bigger Anuel fan. So mm-hmm. when I like, I totally dig Anuel. Like, I totally love Anuel's vibe. But even then, I can say, you know what? Like the Emmanuel album 
I like this and I didn't like that. And I thought maybe I was expecting something different in this or that regard. Sure. But it's very true. I definitely feel that Bad Bunny, like Nathanael in, in some way, are have become like above criticism level, which yeah. is a little bit like ridiculous, you know? And then with the difference is that when people do, you know, criticize Bad Bunny, he's more like take it and he just keeps creating and developing himself further. Yeah. Um, which, you know, on, on the flip side, you know, I have seen a lot of different um, responses like on Nathanael, how he handles it. And again, it's, it, it leaves a little bit of to desire on the professionalism as an artist, you know, but. Sure. And then it just. He's also like, it. what, 20? <laughs> true, true. But it's just, again, you know, it, it's just kind of like, it just kind of paints the picture of what that genre is. And then. Oh yeah. You know, sure. Like. And then that kind of sucks too, you know, because again, you're tainting your own work and that's kind of like, you know, but he is young. So with time, you know, comes wisdom. So, yeah. And also like a lot of new kids are picking up guitars now and doing, you know, more corridos. Yvonne Galas is also, you know, kind of starting to pop off. And from that same stream though, I can say that I'm actually an Ovi fan. I like what Mm -hmm. Ovi's doing. He hops on the track to Nathanael. I Mm seem kind of like, like that vibe more uh, when Ovi's on the tracks. Um, so it's like so it's definitely it's definitely something different I think um but I mean hey it's cool they have a girl out there doing it now too um Yvonne so you know I mean like I said like you know everybody's vibe you know if you have what the public wants and or the public wants you then hey you know go for it well, I'm kind of generally just hyped that you are down to chat. I mean, sometimes people get a little, you know, a little quiet, a little nervous or whatever. Like, I'm so excited to have like a nice chat. I was very, very, very hungover this morning. We're doing it nice in the evening. So like my body has stabilized and I'm just really excited to talk to you again about you, your work, music, so much good shit. Um, and before we carry on, um, I want to talk a little bit about the I would like you to tell, well, actually, Let's p- put a pin in Diabla because I want to talk about the reggaeton shift in the next section. Uh, but I want to intro Me Lastimas, which is the next song we're going to listen to. This is by Gio Bravo. Um, tell us a bit about, about this song. Like now we're actually going to hear a Ranchera, I believe, right? Yeah, Mariachi. Okay. Uh, so Me Lastimas was actually my first and only um, Mariachi single that I ever did. It was a, um, a co-composition I did with Erika Vidrio. Um, she is from Jalisco, okay. lives here in LA. Uh, she's also LGBT. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she's a pretty renowned uh, songwriter. She's done songs for, you know, uh, Sergio Vega, La Tracalosa, El Jaguar, just a, a, a big number. Actually, she's the one who wrote um, Borracho de Amor. And I think I know that one. Yeah, and Fíjate que sí. Uh, she's also the, the writer of that. So, Great song. I love doing it. It was very heartfelt. I think uh, when I wrote Me Lastimas, I was kind of in the middle of, um, well, basically everything that the song says is kind of what I was going through, you know? Cool. So it was very heartfelt. And for me, putting mariachi on it was something new, something different. Um, just wanted to experiment. Um, and I, I liked it. I liked the end result. I thought it was cool. Perfect. So let's go ahead and listen to that now. Again, this is Me Lastimas by Gio Bravo. Uh, and we'll be right back with more Gio Bravo. Woo! Tú 
de querer Es tan rara Y me sale cara Tu indecisión A veces Me necesitas Y me utilizas Y no puedo decir que no He pensado en alejarme Pero es cobarde mi corazón Tus besos son de mentiras Pero me miras y te creo el falso amor Me lastimas pero sigo aquí este amor masoquista le gusta sufrir No quieres quedarte, pero me detienes cuando quiero ir Me lastimas sin tener razón Me haces la guerra y me pides perdón Decide que somos, que con enemigos Yo no hago el Decide que somos mi amor Yo soy Gio Bravo Me lastimas pero sigo aquí Este amor masoquista le gusta sufrir No quieres quedarte pero me detienes Cuando quiero ir Perdón, decide que somos, que con enemigos Yo no hago el amor
dulce de tus besos Y hasta disfruto la amargura que hay en mí En el asfalto no florecen los cerezos Hoy no hubo sol, hoy no hubo sol Por eso es que estoy así Y no se piense que vivir sin ti no puedo Hoy mi nostalgia tiene otra explicación Sencillamente es que amaneció nublado Y el cielo gris, el cielo gris siempre me pone el corazón Sentimental, sentimental second song that we just listened to is by Joan Sebastian. It's called Sentimental. Um, and again, I, I, you were kind of telling me about the song when we were putting together the playlist. And I kind of liked it because it was like, you know, like, it's just kind of like, I'm sad because, you know, just today is a little weird. And I was like, that speaks to me. Uh, tell us about the song. This song means so many things to me. I think that when I think of Joan... Um, Sebastian, and when I think of this song in particular, I think about my childhood. I think about where my love for music began. Mm. You know, I have memories of being nine, ten years old, and you know, my dad would tell me, "Oh, sing me this song." You know, and, and they always knew I loved singing music, so it was like, "Oh, sing me this song," and sing me that song. And my mom would tell me, "Oh, sing to me this Pepe Aguilar song that that I like." So, sentimental for me is always like one of my go-to. Um, It's like forever one of my favorites. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, I and I like I I, I don't know John Sebastian too well. Like as you know, like I know a couple of songs, a couple of hits, but I, I think it's so interesting. Like who are you like your, you know, who are your icons, who are your legends, who are the ones that like, you know, you were like when you were a kid, you know, starting to write songs, like who did you want to be? Um, so as a songwriter, definitely John. Okay. Um, I was a Juan Gabriel fan. I've always been also, but just something about Joan's style and, and the womanizer part of the songs that mm. I, really, I really enjoyed. And um, as far as a, as a performing artist, um, you know, I, I was always a big fan of El Coyote y Su Banda. I was always a big fan of Banda El Recodo, Banda Limón. Um, you know, I just always liked that whole vibe and, and what the songs talked about, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm a lot of fan also. So just, you know, for me, it was... Basically, what I grew up with is, is you know, it's kind of what, what I like, but definitely John Sebastian's always like the one that stands out for me the most. Amazing. Um, I want to ask you about El Transformer, uh, <laughs> which was part of your moniker for a very long time. I've noticed that you subtly dropped it. Um, tell us about, again, about, because it, it, for the listeners at home who, who may not be totally familiar, uh, you, your uh, stage name used to be Gio Bravo El Transformer. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, again, El Transformer has uh, gotten the chop, uh, you know, uh, tell us about, you know, where that name comes from and then the decision to cut it. Well, you know, in every, uh, regional artist, mostly, you know, you have their name and then some kind of like, like a tagline, like, yeah, you know, so it's like, you know, I don't know, El 
Saul, Saul Vega el Chaca or yeah, yeah, yeah. El Gavilancillo or whatever. So I, I wanted to find something. And during that time, I was doing music with a friend of mine and he was my producer and stuff. So it just kind of came up as a joke, like, oh, like, you know, El Transformer. I thought it was funny. But then after I was like, hey, I kind of like it. Like, it's different. It's cool. It kind of like, you know, takes up like my American, Hispanic, Mexican, you know, roots and stuff. Mm -hmm. and, um So I liked it and I thought it was cool. Um, I think that one of the main reasons why I kind of like dropped it and, and just kind of like rebranded with a new logo and things like that was because um, I kind of felt like it was the sole like attention of my, of my musical project, mm -hmm. the transformer part. And yeah. it's really hard to, um, you know, I, I mean, I love sharing my story. It's who I am. It's, I, I love, you know me being authentic i've shared i've been very transparent with my with my transition and just everything i've gone through surgeries and everything but i am more than that you know yes. what i mean and my music is more than that and you know i would love for you know conversations that are offered to me or opportunities that come my way to be more than hey let's invite the trans guy that does music You know what I mean? Yep. Like, I would love it to be like, hey, Gio's an awesome artist, and he just so happens to be trans, you know? So um, dropping the Transformer for me was definitely closing the cycle of my, like a chapter of, of my music, the early stages where, you know, it's been, it's been pretty rough. It's been pretty rough, like navigating through the industry and, you know, kind of like learning the ins and outs as an independent artist. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, having people look, give you that second look um, as an artist, not as, hey, like, this is like the LGBT guy or the trans guy in the industry. You know what I right. mean? So that was kind of the reason why I decided to drop it. I mean, that's the, that, you know, that's why, like, visibility is like such a double edged sword. Right. Because it's like, you know, it's cool. Like we we want to see ourselves. We are as queer people or trans people or people of color or what have you. We want to see ourselves, you know, represented. We want to see ourselves in on a stage or on, 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 you know, in media, like in some way, something that we're passionate about, because like, I guess it becomes aspirational. Like if they did it, I can do that yeah. too, you know, but at the same time, then you begin to, it also turns into a bit of a cage, right? Because it's like, then you get pegged, you get, you know, like you're totally typecast. Um, that's, that's part of what made again, like, you know, like I was just like, it, this idea of doing a pride series made me uncomfortable, even though like, again, like this show has been queer as shit since for over five years that we've been running. Like my, my co-host, my, and co-founder, she is also queer, you know, and like queer guests are pretty common, but like to an outside party, that may not be the case. I was totally prepared for multiple artists to just say like, I don't. I don't want to do a pride thing like and I would get it I wouldn't be mad I'd be like cool let's do it in July you know <laughs> like yeah um like so for me definitely like participating in pride stuff is always like I love it I, I love you know celebrating um you know everyone's uh you know like mo month of pride and, and stuff and although I do think that pride should be more than just a month one month thing where everybody you know and every damn company puts the rainbow on this, you know, <laughs> no pride supporters. No, you're not, because gay people don't only exist in June, but hey, that's just me, you know? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> Although, Loki, I love pride I'm capitalism. Good. I love pride. So it's, it, to me, it's the funniest content on the internet. It's just the, like, I saw, like, a Leather Daddy Angry Bird this week. I saw something, uh, like, a Chipotle burrito is, like, homo is <laughs> us. You know, I was just like, 
I love like it's the funniest concept. No, like it is, it is awesome, and I think it definitely helps you like get like this like wider net of like attention on the yeah. community. But it just sucks that you know then whatever July through May they forget that we don't exist. Exist, you know what yeah. I mean? So it's like especially when you have a lot of issues in the community that should you know, at least to me, I, I feel like I would want more attention and more support aimed at at, the, at those issues, you know, like, for example, like all the murders on, on trans women specifically, uh, yeah. you know, to me, that's, uh, well, that one hits close to home for like a lot of different reasons, but it would just be nice that, you know, that companies were willing to put their money into actually helping a community develop and, and get that level of like equality and in life and not just during June. You know, yeah. hey, that's just me. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I want to go back to the rebranding aspect. Uh, and now we're going to talk about Diabla because you've pivoted um, again, you know, away from El Transformer, but also sonically uh, from regional into a more reggaeton sound. I don't imagine that this will be a permanent change, but, um, you know, but like, I do think it's really fascinating how, how again, you went from like doing banda so like reggaeton and I'm like, and it's like seamless and like, it's really good. Um, so do tell us about this, you know, about that, um, about that transition, if you will. Let's see, reggaeton, even though people were probably like, oh, whatever, like just, you know, jumped on a bandwagon. Reggaeton has actually been pretty present in my life for a long time. Um, my favorite, one of my favorite, favorite albums of all time is uh, Daddy Yankee's Barrio Fino album. Oh, classic. Like, I literally know that whole album forward and backward, every single word to every single song on that album. So it's one of my favorites. And um, I actually remember that when it first came out, my mom ordered it from Puerto Rico because they were not even selling it in the United States yet. Whoa. So she brought it and it was like my go-to. And, you know, when my parents uh, found out that I was queer, uh, my dad didn't really was not open about the situation. So it was kind of like, you know, he locked me in, he put me in this like, kind of like a cage where I couldn't exit the house, I couldn't talk to nobody. So in reality, I remember that that summer, the Daddy Yankee album and um, an Alejandro Sanz album and a, a, this like mixtape because back then, you know, we would burn our own CDs and pick whatever songs you wanted and you put them on a CD. And, and I had a bunch of like Mexican songs on there. And those three albums or those three CDs were like my go-to for that summer to help me like survive that summer when my parents found out that I, you know, that I was gay or queer, however you want to call it. Um, so now that I'm doing this whole like music thing, it was like, I want to try something different. And, and before doing Diablo, I had actually released a single um, called Soyo. That was my first reggaeton album, I mean, single. And um, it was more like an experiment during the pandemic. You know, we weren't doing much as, as artists performing or doing anything like that. And I was just like, you know, I want to try something different and, and um, just kind of see how it goes, you know? So um, we did Soyo. And everyone just loved it, you know, like my followers were like, wow, you sound so good. Like, I like how you sound in this better than Mexican music. Like, it seems like you're more comfortable when you, with your voice in this and whatever, like the vibes are so cool. So then I was like, all right, cool, you know? So then um, I always wanted to do a song with Helen and originally mm -hmm. I wanted to do a song in, in Regional with her. And then- uh, Right, because that's what she's known for, right? It's more, yeah, it's more of the regular thing. Yeah. Cool. So um, 
you know, I start writing the song and I'm like, you know, I want to do this song and, and I want to have like a girl featured on it. And so then I start writing it. And then when I start, when I finally get that hook, like, eh, I was like, this has to be Helen. <laughs> so I was just like, it has to be Helen. I don't care how we're going to do it. So I call my publicist. I'm like, hey, you know what? I wrote this awesome song. It's urban. It's reggaeton. I want Helen on it. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we got to make it happen. <laughs> you know, so we start talking to Helen. I was talking to JP, who's her manager slash husband. And, um, you know, they loved the track. They thought it was super awesome. They loved the beat. They loved just the whole concept of it. And I was so, like, super excited, super thankful that she was willing to do the song with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it came out great. I love hearing it. And that was, that was another thing, too, that I kind of felt like when I was doing the, my Mexican music, I also wasn't so far along in my transition, which also, it was always like a constant battle with myself because even though I'm really like a strong mentality person, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I did my first single in Regional, which was Con Esta Botella, the song says, uh, blah, 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 y mira como me dejaste, te fuiste con él. So... You know, if you go on the YouTube, they're still there because I don't delete comments. Um, you know, some people were like, yeah, se fue con él because he's a guy and you're not. So even though I don't let the comments get to me, it's still to some extent, it's hurtful. You know what of I course. mean? It's hurtful. And, and whether you want to or not accept it or, or dwell on it, it does something to your self-esteem sometimes. There's going to be days that are less... Uh, when those things are less significant and there's going to be days when you're like in your feelings about the things that people say, you know, um, as an artist, but also as like a person who's trans and you're transitioning. So my, my Mexican music also came from a place where I also wasn't like fully secure of myself and, and who I am. And now that I'm so far along in my transition, uh, like 90% done of doing the things that I personally want to do. Yeah. I feel comfortable with what I'm saying in my lyrics, like in my reggaeton songs, you know, reggaeton, as we all know, (laughs) is like a a lot of sexual nature and and Mm -hmm. stuff. And so I held back from releasing the songs that I had written because I just didn't want people to be like, well, how are you saying this in the song? But maybe you don't, that's not what you do in your actual life. You know what I mean? I don't know how personal we're trying to get here, but <laughs> I mean, this is your stage. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, when you talk about certain things that you do like sexually as a man, and then, sure. you know, have people tell me like, well, you haven't done this part of your transition. So how can you be saying if you don't know, you know? So then it was to me, like, like, do I make sense? It like, does. I mean, but I, I mean, it's just like, it's just to me, to me, it was like, it was my own insecurity, like for people to think like, how can you speak on something that you haven't experienced yet? You know, sure. it's more of what I, like what I was feeling in my own mind, you know what I mean? So that's why I wasn't like, and then it just kind of goes back to like, you know, your feelings of like dysphoria and then just kind of just yeah. dealing with like your own identity, you know? So it's just a lot goes through your mind when, when you're like in this type of journey I guess you could say so for me I felt more comfortable like waiting until I felt complete to do all of this so now that I'm there now I feel super good about the music that I'm putting out and just kind of like the vibes and like just the whole rebranded concept I I feel pretty home with it now so 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's so it's such a tricky place to be now. I mean, because again, like you're charting. I mean, you're 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 coursing uncharted waters. You know, um, you know, and uh, I think my my last because I, I want to you know play some more music because we have a fabulous playlist, dear listeners. Um, it, I, yeah, I was gonna say I was saving this, but since we're here, um, I wanted to know about the experience about of being a trans man in regional. Um, one of my very very good friends here, she writes a lot about regional, and she had the opportunity to go to um, to Sinaloa. Uh, by the way, listeners, this is this is a cat cat Donahue. Um, she is now mostly a weed writer, uh, but she went to, to she went to Culiacan with Eli Quintero and Rosa Pistola. She she interviewed me. She was when she was doing yeah. uh, what was the name? It was for Into, I think. Yeah, it was for Into. Yeah, she was she was doing that. It was super awesome too. We uh, I got to know her, and the interview was really really great too. So funny too because I was also um, talking to Ellie about doing a song before I jumped into this whole like urban reggaeton thing. moment. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this reggaeton moment in my life. Um, but yeah, being being a trans guy in uh, regional, it was really hard. It is hard, you know, yeah. because. Um, well, regional is just a genre that is very like predominantly male and mm-hmm. the whole like vibe and the whole everything is just very like um, traditional and very like machista and, and not just within the artists or the lyrics, but also the way of conducting the business. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and it's just, you know, kind of like a place dominated by guys who, you know, are really old school or at least think really old school and it's just really hard to break through that that wall and um you know like i've said in a couple interviews before before i came out publicly as like trans and trying to do music i was talking to a uh representative like a talent acquisition guy from a mexican label who was actually interested in the con esta botella song uh, a couple weeks later, you know, my interview aired and when I, you know, talked about me being trans and stuff and it was like, they no longer were interested, like ghosted me and whatever and stuff. And Damn. It like, it was kind of like, I'm not going to lie. It really made me feel like that I had made a mistake embracing like who I am and trying to go after this dream. But then it was like a momentary like breakdown, like you know because at the end of the day like you just have this dream you want to do music and you want people to hear your stuff and and then somebody just comes and like just like steps on you like yeah you know it's like damn I just messed up but then you know like a couple hours passed by and I was like man screw that guy (laughs) yeah you know so then and then you know it's just like those like momentary like you know moments of weakness that you get when when you know it's like not when when something less than ideal kind of like happens or, or that's the reaction that you get from people but um but I'm actually thankful for it I think it kind of like set me up to to just be like on this whole trip like you know if I find people who support me on the way I feel blessed and I'm very thankful yeah but if I find people who are less than that that's also fine but it's also not going to be a reason for me to stop doing what I like to do you know totally so um, definitely thankful for the people that that uh you know, try to say it, it can't happen and just it is what it is, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm only just now starting to dip my feet into regional. I, I have a client that I've been working with, you know, on the back end. Uh, so like, I'm like, oh, okay, like I'm actually like learning a lot about regional uh, as I go. But like, yeah, like it just that cat's experience in Sinaloa was really fascinating because she's like, we would be like, we would be in a room. Like I would be there, like, it's fine if nobody knows me, but I'm like with Eli Quintero and Rosa Pistola and like, you know, guys would come and greet their male companions and not them. They would just completely ignore. I'm like, you you can be in a room and ignore Eli Quintero or Rosa Pistola or that's wild to me, you know? And it's just like, and like, we, and we've talked about it a lot. And she's, you know, there, there aren't a lot of very like visible, very well-known women uh, in regional, uh, queer people I, I think you're the only one that like really comes to mind you know <laughs> so it's just yeah, like I mean even even for example like even Erika Vidrio who I did my song with you know mm -hmm. just until recently did she really like put it out there like people knew about it like low-key like kind of like a don't ask don't tell like they sure. knew up and maybe she would drop a couple mentions about it here and there but up until about last year-ish a little bit um maybe like the end of 2019 is when she really started making that public you know she had a son with her partner with her wife and um, wow. then she started sharing a lot more she opened herself up but I mean she's been in music for like a good 15 20 years now so wow, it's like, okay and then just now doing it, I mean, I never, ever knock anybody for at what stage of their life they decided to come out or, yeah. or publicly open their journey. That's everyone's independent journey, um, you know, but it just goes back to the fact that there's very little visibility in the regional um, yeah. genre. And it would be awesome if we could have more of that, you know, but it's just it's just really hard. Um, it's really hard to, you know, have people look at you as again as an artist um that there's more to you than just you know your gender identity or your yeah, sexual orientation um and to actually take a second look at your project um that you're working so hard on and not just look at you as a way to exploit you know some piece on hey wow look at this trans guy and look at what like you know it's just it, it's hard you don't want to be a novelty act yeah, you know, basically, because yeah. I'm going to be really realistic, like, and like, honest. Like, I know that there's some people, you have, like, two types of artists, right? Like, the ones that don't know how to sing so great or who are not, like, so talented, sure. but they have, like, this great energy that, you know, they mm -hmm. could put on this show, and then they're like, cool. Then you have the ones that are, like, super talented, and maybe they also are that way, but maybe they're less of, but their talent makes up for it, so you just have everything in between, you know? But I just feel like in my end, like I do have a little bit more of talent to offer than just being like the first trans person to do like regional music. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, um, you know, I've talked to like a lot of different people and stuff and it's just like, um, I would definitely just love for my work to be able to have a second look at my work and not just come with the like, oh, this is a trans guy and he did this song. You know, yeah. like, oh, it's like, look at this awesome song. And yes, it was done by a trans guy, you know? Yeah. So. yeah I know. I mean, we are more than labels. And again, in the in the age of digital marketing, we're often reduced to only a label because that's easier to sell. Yeah. Um, but, but well, listeners, this is why we're doing this series and having these conversations. Um, I, I think this is a great uh, moment to get into some new music. 
we up next have a song by Karin Leon, uh, and it's called Mi Eterno Amor Secreto. Uh, what can you tell us about the song and about Karin? This song is a classic, um, originally by Marco Antonio Solis. And um, it's a song I think that most people my age um, grew up with listening to their parents, listening to it um, in Marco Antonio's voice. And I feel like Karin is just such like this fresh uh, sound of regional, the way he sings, the way he interprets uh, the songs and, and just the style musically that he puts to the songs. Mm. Uh, I think he nailed it. I think it's amazing. I, I personally love it. And uh, yeah, I definitely think he's one of the one of the top regional guys to be looking at right now. Cool. Well, let's listen to that now. Again, this is Karin Leon. Uh, the song is called Mi Eterno Amor Secreto. And we'll be right back with more Gio Bravo. Y sale por ahí, no la traíamos contemplada para ver cómo nos sale, compa. Dice. Y aunque no te vuelva a ver 
vida siempre será Más o menos complacía la petición, compadre. Dice, fuga. Song Mess. Un show de música emergente latinoamericana donde mezclamos entrevistas con los sonidos más frescos del underground. Su anfitrión, Richard Villegas, es un periodista musical contribuyendo a publicaciones como Remezcla, Rolling Stone y Bandcamp. Y con Song Mess, las conversaciones toman un giro más casual y personal. Revelando el mundo interior de cada invitado. Song Mess está disponible en todas las plataformas digitales. Escúchalo martes 9 pm y jueves 9 am por Nova Hits Radio. Song Mess. que tú no estás, mi vida no es igual Ya nada es como antes, tu fantasma me atormenta He buscado en otro cuerpo, pero no lo encuentro por más que intento Y mientras tanto el tiempo pasa lento situación toda la noche hago una oración para poderte sacar de una vez de mi imaginación pero tu recuerdo parece como un espejismo entre más trate de olvidarte más caigo en el abismo ya no es suficiente el sexo dinero y placer ahora entiendo la importancia de lo querer ahora estoy pagando por todo el daño que te hice recordando mis engaños cuando éramos felices aún sigo teniendo en mi vida día grises y en mi corazón a causa de tu vida cicatrices 
right, and we're back. And uh, we just heard a song by Manny, Tor uh, Manny Torres. I was going to say Torres. Uh, <laughs> and it's called Lonely. Uh, and again, we're back on the reggaeton tip. Uh, tell us about, about Manny Torres. Manny, Manny. Uh, Manny's a friend of mine, actually, from L.A., uh, Michoacano, though. So he's okay. Mexican, also doing um, reggaeton music. Um, I like his flow. I like his style uh, so much so that we actually did a song together. So it's going to be coming out soon. Uh, the song's called Si La Ves. It's a really good song, really vibey, really like chill. Um, so I definitely like his style. I, I like his music and I really liked it that I just said, hey, jump on this song with me. And he liked the song. So we did it. <laughs> you know, and new music works with my next question, which is that I believe there's a new EP in the works. Uh, or you know, scheduled for release sooner than later. Uh, what can you tell us about, about this EP? Yeah, I have this EP that I've been working on. Um, I'm super excited. It's um, all urban reggaeton vibes, but I have some pretty cool collaborations with um, some hot names and uh, female and male. So I'm pretty excited. Um, there's like a little bit of of, of everything on this EP. Okay. Um, so super excited. We're going to start recording music videos in a couple weeks and cool. um, we're going to be touring in Miami to promote it. So that's going to be fun. Amazing. Um, and I think after, uh, shortly after, we'll probably be heading over to Mexico too. So yes. Oh, hit me up whenever you're in town. <laughs> Would love to buy you a beer. Um, awesome. Do we have a, a, a release date? Um, I think we're going to be releasing, um, like the single that's going to be, um, uh, leading the project, mm -hmm. uh, in mid July. Okay. Um, what I'm hearing, what we talked about this weekend actually. So, um, yeah. Okay. Stay tuned, dear listeners, stay tuned. And if you follow the song mess bops playlist, I promise you it'll be there. Um, you know, so uh, we're we're nearing the end of the show. I have a couple more questions for you, and thank you so much, Gio, for taking the time to to just chat and kick it. Um, I want to talk about Herencia Bravo Productions because um, you do a lot of stuff. It's not just the music videos. I think there were also documentaries for a minute uh, or or yeah. short films. Tell us about all these different. Uh, production projects that you have <laughs> so being a creator is like insane you know because one day you want to write a song one day you just have this like crazy idea and it's just it's insane you know um at Intel Bravo Productions is my baby it's kind of like something that I'm also doing with my siblings um you know obviously we are all bravos they're my sisters they're my sisters you know yeah but uh my little sister she's very much into like video editing and all this good stuff so what I kind of wanted to do with Herencia Bravo was kind of create a channel for me to create the things that I wanted to visually see, but also set the tone or set the platform for my sister to jump on and, and us work together. And, oh, cool. And, uh, you know, have her just step into a platform. I guess you could say for me to lay the groundwork, you know, because I know how hard it's been and, and just everything that it takes to do all these things that slowly my goal is to set this stage so that when she's ready to jump on board, I can be there for her to help her put out the things she wants to put out. Mm -hmm. um, as far as like the documentaries that you're talking about, like short film style, it was like a series that I was working on uh, called Transitives. And, and it was a combination of my personal life and fiction, um, of course, for like drama and TV. 
um, again, like a self-funded project. And I think that it just, it reached a point where aside from my personal expenses, you know, my, my living costs and all kinds of stuff, you know, it was like so much money into the music, so much money into that, that I was like losing my mind. Yeah. So it was kind of like a point where it's just pick one or the other, buddy. Yeah. So I definitely had to put a pause on, on that. It's definitely something that I'm not done doing. Um, I do have also a couple scripts laying around for some short films that I would love to do, but amazing. Um, I'm, I guess my goal is to kind of reach a certain level of a platform in my music to where I can connect with people that can help me, you know, bring these projects to life together. You know what I mean? So um, I think that they're really, really like amazing. And I had actually met somebody who wanted to flat out buy these projects from me. But Whoa. the problem is, you know, when you sell something like this to somebody, it just leaves your hands. And now anybody can, that person can do whatever they want with them. And I feel like sometimes in your vision for these projects, you know, can be lost in that transition of who is, publishing or directing or producing what you know what I mean so to me keeping the authenticity of my of my vision for my projects is like super important and um you know it's I can't let it go the same thing I have a clothing brand also that I did before I started my music Whoa. and um also something that was a very LGBT based in a in a in a different way I was tired of seeing and I still it's not my favorite to see like shirts or like I like girls that kiss girls. Like, that's just so, like, ugh, to me, you know? Like, <laughs> yes, I, it's just, I agree. Like, I don't like it. So a lot of the <laughs> designs that I created, like, incorporate the LGBT um, concept just in a more, like, fashion way. Because I did go to school for fashion marketing. So, uh, yeah, you know, so I did that. But then again, it was, again, you want to do your brand or you want to do music. So then yeah. it's a thing that I also feel like, once my music picks up, how I would, how I, I dream of it too, that's something else that I would want to pick up again. Yeah. I mean, and that makes so much sense. It's like, it's just, it's, it's great to have these different projects. And when you can get them to a point where they begin to connect and like, yeah. again, to create synergy, right. To, to boost each other up. That's, that's, I mean, that's where you want to be, you know, that's, you know, that's the, 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 the JLo, the Lady Gaga of it all. Right. It's just like, you know, yeah. like you have a, you have a, a song and a perfume and a clothing line and the new sneaker and the bag and then the, the movie stunt. and Yeah, exactly. You know, and then, I mean, <clears throat> I think like a year and a half ago, I started writing this like erotica ebook thing. Whoa, like, cool. So it's like just, uh, you know, being a creator is just like insane. And I'm sure, you know, you know, like doing a podcast and just putting it all together, that's creating, you know, you're creating. Oh, yeah. So like stuff always comes to me. So it's just, I like to work on it a little bit and then I just always think like you know music is my driving power and and I'm hoping that I can be blessed enough to take it to the levels that I'd like to uh, in, yeah. in order to see everything else come to fruition as well creativity is a muscle and you gotta you gotta keep it you know pumping yep um well uh, and, and by the way uh, dear listeners uh, the production company is Herencia Bravo Productions uh, and I will be linking to the YouTube channel as well uh, don't you worry. Um, we got you covered. Um, I, I guess I have one more topic that I want to hit on. I mean, it is pride. Um, do you care about pride? Does that matter to you? I mean, I think it's cool. Um, mm. Like the events that, that go on. Do you go to the parade? 
when I was asked to perform. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Very fair. You know, like, uh, I think it's like a touchy, like, you know, subject because people love pride. But I just think that pride is something that doesn't only happen in June. You know what I mean? I think yeah. that as a community, the same way that we spend so much money on these pride events and, and how the community itself and, you know, big companies put money into, into the pride events, the community, the people are in need of so much more than just these, you know, parties that they throw when pride originally was not that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. First of all. And then second of all, like if you go to these things and, and, or if you really look into like gay culture, it's really like so much vanity, so much like superficiality, Mm -hmm. You know, like we as a community, I feel like we want to be treated as equals and we want respect, but within the community, there's so much like, you know, gay guys are so like uh, trans people or like, if you're not skinny and muscular, you're not like dateable or like, it's like, what the hell? Like, you know, I just feel like these stereotypes and this really like ignorant mentality further divides in already like vulnerable and like, you know, like uh, unsupported community. You know what I mean? So I feel like the whole point of pride, like what it is now, it's so much more just about getting drunk and like hooking up with people at this party that supposedly is to like celebrate you know our freedom our equality but you know you still have trans girls out here getting murdered every other day yeah you know you still have like um people who whose really great work is not acknowledged just because you know maybe they're not like white maybe because they're like people of color that you know it's just Mm. to me just the point of pride is there's nothing to be proud about how they act and then also you go to these events it's all like you know, sloppy drunkness and like promoting like sexuality, which is, you know, like pride should be something that families can go to. You know, I'm not wanting to take my three-year-old godson to celebrate pride when I got a freaking guy in a leather suit and his like junk is being hugged by like these briefs where like you're basically like naked. You know what I mean? Like But also we we fought for that right though. You know we did, but I just feel like again you drive pride towards a very like sexual nature when like it, it should be more than that like you of know, course and, and pride should be family and stuff and it's just like you know when, when people say like oh um well if people don't want their kids to see that then don't bring them here it's like it doesn't at that point to me it's like it doesn't matter if you know you're a gay person a straight person trans person in general like it's just a common sense to me that there's certain things that kids should not be looking at, which is like nudity or like, you know, some like nature of like sexuality and things like that. So to me, it's just like, it should be more of a family event-ish mm-hmm. type of vibe that you can still dance, you can still drink to it. Like people get drunk at home with, with their family and parties or whatever, like you can drink, you can dance, you can have a good time. But it, to me, it just, not everything has to be driven in a sexual nature for pride. You know what I, I mean? I, I mean, I don't actually agree. But, but for me, I think it's the, the, the way that I feel about it is I don't think it's either or. I think we can have all of it. You know, I think fun and excess and sex are very valid forms of uh, celebrating, you know, I guess, pride or 
this sort of like the fact that we are the counterculture. I mean, like, you know, like that we, we again, we fought for the right to do this stuff. And but yes, you're absolutely correct that it also should be family inclusive. I think uh, I, I you know, there are many cities that have like, you know, like uh, family pride of not pr like so in New York. I'm going to because I'm from New York. I'll use that. I'll use that example. Like Saturday uh, is the pride rally. And that's kind of like, just, you know, everybody's there and like, there might be some performances and like, you know, it's, uh, there's also like a more political march. There's uh there's the pride, uh, I forget what which it's called. Which is super cool. Cause it like touches like every avenue, you know of what course. I mean? And, and, I just and then Sunday's like the big woo, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, for example, like me, like I love like the whole, like I love watching like drag shows and I love like the sexiness to it and stuff. Sure, sure. I love all of that. I just think that the, and like, I just think the problem becomes when as a community, like if you're seeing that we're already like really marginalized and like why contribute to that when there's so much more to to us as a community than just like the sex aspect, you know what I mean? Correct. And that's just my like thing, you know, but, and then also like, I don't really attend pride events because to me, I'm like really like Latino culture. And a lot of the pride events out here specifically, they're not really like Latino events. They're a lot of like American pop culture and things like that, sure. which is okay, but it's not like my thing. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I don't really like listen to a lot of English music and half of the time I don't really like, I don't really watch movies either because I'm not really a movie guy. I'm a music person. Yeah, so it's like, you know, so just everything that kind of goes on, it's not really like, you know, in tune to like my vibe or whatever. But um, but I do agree. Uh, like I, I think the New York way that they do, I think that's really cool. Like, just, yeah, I mean, and it's not, and, and I know it's not the only place, you know, like, it's just, I, I, I think we can all find ways that we feel comfortable, uh, celebrating. And again, like, I don't, I don't believe that it has to be either or, you know, cause again, we fought for these rights, you know, and, and, and we get to use them. And that's the whole point of, of pride. And again, like we all get to celebrate however we want, you know, if you want a more family friendly thing, that's, Perfectly but the, at this, like, so what I mean, because, okay, because I'm not sure if I, like, explained myself correctly. Like, I don't mean, like, okay, that we can't do, like, the sexual nature. But if you really look at it, in any other setting, if you, like, because I, I went to Long Beach Pride a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And there was people who were, like, <coughs> flat out naked over there. So it's, like, if Jumps. you're, like, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, in any other setting, you know, like, you cannot be walking around the freaking street naked just because you want to you know what i mean right. so that's where i think comes like the issue where you want to do things that are not actually things that you should be doing and then you want to mask it under well it's my I, it's my right to have pride like it's my right to do this and i i don't personally agree with that it's like any other person on any other day if you walk around naked, you're going to get arrested for like indecent exposure or whatever. Right. So then it's like, so just because it's pride, in my opinion, doesn't give you the right to go and get naked and then be like, well, it's pride. And I have the right to do this is where I'm getting at with the sexuality. Right. Part, I know? mean, as, as queer people, like we're told that we, you know, like that our sex is bad, that our sex is sinful. Right. That like, we shouldn't, you know, like, you know, women shouldn't show their bodies. Hypocrisy, of course. You know, you so know? it's like, but that's, yeah, it's just, I think that. Like on, 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 on the latest season of Drag Race, there was a trans man competing and like he featured his, uh, I mean, in, in drag, but like he featured a lot of times like his scars from like his, you know, from, from like the, the uh, top surgery. 
Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, and he even said like, being able to show my body on television is huge, you know? So I feel like, again, like we are told that our bodies are wrong, you know, that our sex, our, our way of expressing, you know, ourselves through our body is wrong. So I, again, like I find the, you know, the, 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 yeah, maybe it is naked, you know, naked, uh, what do you call it? Um, it's gratuitous nudity and like over-sexualized or whatever. But again, I think that is part of the protest because people don't want to see that. Um, so again, like I, I see value in it aside from the fact that I am a party girl and I love being wasted and like fully in a jock strap on the street. I love that. I love that for me. And it's, and I, you know, and I completely understand that, you know, we don't want to be seen as just that, but I also don't care what people see me as, you know, cause like we fought for these rights. And, um, I, again, like I, you know, I, and I, again, I don't mean to like invalidate your stance. Like I, oh, I feel no, like, I mean, honestly, I'm like super, like everyone, like each mind is like their own world and everyone sees mm-hmm. things differently and that's okay. You know, especially it's very refreshing, like for me to have a conversation with somebody who, even if we don't see eye to eye on a certain topic, because I kind of do feel like it's not something that can always be done. I think yeah. Like, the internet has made dialogue an endangered species. So. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so it's like, there's certain topics that I don't get into because it's like suicide. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? it's, it's also kind of hard to fucking, you know, to have a nuanced conversation in 140 characters, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so just, um, but I, I definitely, uh, um, yeah, I just, I just stay away from certain combos and stuff, but nonetheless, nonetheless, it's really, really awesome to see how over the years, um, in general, like the gay community has progressed. You know, I remember <laughs> that shit when I, when I first came out, it was like 2006, um, came out as lesbian. I remember that, um, you know, there was like, I remember like, like the word gay or whatever it was just like so like oh my god like don't talk about it like don't mm-hmm. say that or like you know you would not see no rainbows everywhere you know much less have companies you know using this as a branding marketing thing going on so you know whatever way you celebrate pride it's just you know it's amazing that we've come this far to me yeah. you know and um that makes it's- me happy and and it is my wish that you know someday we reach the point where um Pride can just be actually something that we can focus on the fun part because we no longer have to focus on, yes. you know, fighting for equality, fighting for our rights, fighting for to stay alive. You know, it's to me, it's insane. Like I, I was born in America and, you know, I thought it was so like crazy how as an American, you know, you're born with these like fundamental rights as an American. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, the minute that you come out as you know, gay or, or whatever, lesbian, then all of a sudden you don't have the same rights that everybody else has. Yeah. And and that to me was like a really big eye opener. And that's when I really said like, you know, fuck this. Like, I'm never going to stay quiet. Like I am an activist and I will fight for my people no matter what, you know, and I'm that way when it comes to the gay community, I'm that way when it comes down to like immigrants, because I am Hispanic, you know, my dad's Mexicano, my mom's from Honduras. Yeah. So I always like crack a joke, like, yeah, my dad jumped the border and my mom crashed, my mom swam two rivers <laughs> to get here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like she went through two waters to get here. So it's like, I'm very proud of my roots. I, I love being Hispanic and I love being someone that came from immigrants. Um, so to me, it's just seeing our communities 
evolve and, and really develop is like amazing and it just makes me happy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's even more significant when you remember a world where these were things that were like, you know, challenging or, or could be harmful in media, like that, you know, that yeah. people would not take you seriously or, or, you know, racism or very open homophobia and transphobia, you know, so like, I think it's, uh, I, I, you know, like, again, like, I'm not trying to be one of those people like the children don't fucking know, uh, although I, I am a little bit like that sometimes, but um but it is a little wild remembering the back in the day and then seeing now that we are a marketing tool that like people want to be like, us. And to me it's like even like more crazy because when I was in high school, I remember that I started like the human rights club and I okay. couldn't call it like the gay club, or, like the LGBT club. <laughs> oh, they didn't let you? They didn't let me. Cause you know how like, well, I don't know if, if like we needed a, a teacher or a counselor or a coach to like sponsor the club, you know, and no teacher or, or like staff would do it under like the LGBT club because it was controversial because the parents were going to, you know, like complain about it or whatever. So then they were like, we have an alternative, like we can call it the human rights club, you know? So it was okay. just like, okay, like that's whack, you know, but yeah. I took it. Like, I was, all right, whatever, I'll take it. So I was like the club president and we did all kinds of stuff and, but even then it was just so like everything we wanted to do had to like be so filtered, you know, like yeah. you can't say this, you can't do that. You can't portray this. We're going to have a complaint about this. So it was definitely like in a, like a nutshell, like very limited to the kind of expression that we could have. And um, I remember that one of the counselors that we had, she had a, a friend who was, who was lesbian and they actually introduced us into what was ended up being like a gay camp that I went to. And that's when I actually met like my first trans person, like like face to face. I was like, holy shit. Like I had no idea that somebody who was born a female can actually medically transition in, into a male. Mm -hmm. And I was like, like so shook. And, and that's what like stayed with me. Cause like growing up, I, I, I always thought like when people were like, oh, like, you know, you want to get married and have kids and all that stuff. But when I would think about myself in those scenarios, like I always felt like I didn't want to be the one wearing the dress, you know, like sure. I, wanted to, I wanted to wear the tux, you Yay. know? <laughs> and so then it's just like, when I meet this trans guy, I'm just like, what the, f I, I want to do what he's doing. Like, you know what I mean? So that kind of like stuck with me, but I feel like my dad took so hard, like me coming out as a lesbian that it was like, oh, now I'm going to tell him that now I'm not just lesbian. Like now I'm also trans and then he's going to have like a heart attack, you know? Yeah. So it took me a while to come around. But I mean, it, it, when my parents divorced, like I hit rock bottom hard, like super hard. And it was like um, at that moment, like, you know, like I had lived a life where it was like really hard between my parents um, a lot of the time. So when my parents split up, I was always like the go-to for my sisters, for my mom, like, you know, the rock of the family, the backbone. And when they split up, like, I feel like I, for a good like year or two, like I super lost myself. I gained so much weight and I was like a drunk and I don't think I ever told anybody this <laughs> or not publicly anyway. I mean, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I gained like a lot of weight. I was like 280 pounds and like I was an alcoholic literally because I would drink like four or five days of the week, like shit face drunk. And it was really bad and dabbled in drugs a little bit and uh, nothing serious though. But 
it was like it was like a really rock bottom point in my life and yeah. I would still write music but again like I was never gonna like put it out in my eyes you know um during that time is when I wrote Con Esta Botella um and um I just it was just gonna be something that stayed there for me um until like one day like I I got so shit-faced like so bad and um I woke up like at two in the afternoon and then like I got up and I looked at myself and I was like damn like what am I doing? Like, I have nothing in life going for me. Like, I'm a fucking loser. Like, that's literally like how I felt, you know? And I'm like, like, what do I need in my life? And and I did kind of like this like self-realization moment. And I just realized like, damn, like I need to do things for me, like things that make me happy, things that are gonna fulfill me. Cause I felt like empty and lost and like sad and depressed and shit. And so then I was just like, all right what is it going to take? And then I told my sister, like, I think like, this is what I want for me. Cause I don't even feel happy with who I am. Like I look in the mirror and like, I just hate myself, you know? And um, yeah, that's kind of like where it all started. And then that same night I told my mom and then she was just kind of like, Oh, like uh, I always knew it. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> she's like, <laughs> and she's like, it was your journey to figure yeah. yourself out. You know, I can't tell you who you are. Like you need to know who you are. Yeah. So it's kind of like where it all started and, and definitely life got better after that. So I always tell everybody, like, the reason I share my story is not because I want, like, attention for my music because I'm trans. It's because I feel that I remember what it felt to feel so lost that yeah. if somebody out there hears my story and it makes them feel like, hey, like, I have that dream, too. And yeah, it's hard, but you can do it you know what I mean yeah and um that was like a big deal for me because like we mentioned before like in regional like there's nobody like LGBT open out there doing it sure. the only one that's out there right now actually he is a member of a band called Grupo Firme he, I think I've heard of Grupo Firme yeah so Edwin he's the main singer his brother is part of the band and he's openly gay Okay. And, and he's not the main face of the group, but he is probably like the only one out there other than me, like really like carrying the flag, like talking about LGBT, it. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So for me, when I first started, but he recently just came out too. Um, but when I first started like three, four years ago, for me, it was like, there's no one to look up to. Like, yeah. I can't say like, you know what, this person did it like this. Maybe that's a path that I can walk down to reach my dream. For me, every step that I take, whether it's Mexican music, whether it's um, reggaeton, everything is like an unknown step. It's like a yeah. hit or miss. Like it's either going to work or it doesn't work. It might take me 10 steps further or it might send me 20 back. I never know. You know what I mean? Because there's not really like, you know, kind of like, okay, like this artist did it this way or this is the support or you know what? This company supports artists like you because they don't. They don't. You know what I mean? So it's that's the reason why I share my story because I feel like it's if I'm taking like all the damn hits I would want it to be worth something and and maybe you know someday shit we'll see a trans guy like topping the charts you know yeah. on billboard like kicking ass to all the straight people <laughs> you know I mean it, I mean it's a hard road to walk down but again like you doing it makes it easier for the next guy and that's and that's the job you know that's yeah. literally Definitely. the job <laughs> and with that i think we're gonna start wrapping up thank you so much geo please uh let our listeners know where they can follow you on social media where they can listen to your music if they can buy it or any merch where that can happen let us know 
Yeah, so uh, you guys can find me on Facebook. Um, I'm also on Instagram as Gio Bravo Oficial. Um, you guys can check out my music on YouTube. I'm also on Apple Music, on Spotify, on Tidal, Amazon. Um, as far as like merch goes, we are putting something together for the new EP that's coming out. So hey. I'm excited about that. I'll make sure to get your address. I can send you something, hook you up and hey. get you going. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. I'm super stoked. So uh, yeah, you guys check me out. I'm really like active on, on my Instagram. So I can, I always answer and just, you know, like chat and, and stuff. And people always hit me up for like questions about like transitioning too. So that's Oh, cool. wow. Amazing. Wow. Um, I'll be linking to all that in the show notes, dear listeners. So don't worry if you didn't catch all that on the first breath. Um, I, I will also take this opportunity to remind you all that I'm Richard Villegas and that this is Song Mess. Uh, and my guest is Gio Bravo. Um, and you can listen to this episode as well as close to 300 others um, uh, on your favorite uh, digital platform. That could be uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Deezer, or SoundCloud. We are out there, girl. Find us. Um, same for uh, social media, everything at Songless, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you want to send us uh, your new single, your new EP, your new whatever, uh, songmessmusic at gmail.com. My inbox is always open. I'm a little slow on response, but I will get there. Um, and again, like everything will be linked in the show notes as well as our online store um, and our Bops playlist, uh, which is on Spotify. And I update multiple times a week. Um, and hit me up for a t-shirt. Songmess has merch now. So um, we out here um, and we have one more song and this is by Gio Bravo it's called Atrevete uh, at time of recording this is your uh, most recent single uh, what can you tell us about Atrevete? Atrevete <laughs> um, so Atrevete is actually uh, a song that I wrote for um, my current girlfriend mm -hmm. so I think that she again kind of had like <sighs> a clouded mind with this whole like if you date a trans guy you're like a lesbian idea that people sure. throw like throw around so i think that she kind of had like a hard time wrapping her head around it but i mean we've been in each other's life for six years this month actually and um i think we all kind of knew that it was there but she was like scared to take that step forward yeah so literally like word for word everything that Atrevete says is what I was feeling at the moment about her and she's my girlfriend now and hey. we're together now so hey. uh you know the love vibes a little bit um but uh yeah I hope you guys like it before I go I do want to thank you for um inviting me to be part of, of this um today and, and also just for all the support that you've given me with with all my past music and stuff and it's super awesome to put a, a face on the name and I hope there's like more to come, you know, I'm always just, I'm just sorry. I can't, I haven't been able to do more media is in shambles. Uh, but I mean, you know, again, good, good, good music will always have my words. So I'm, uh, I'm just, you know, so nice to meet you. I love, oh, this is such a great chat. You know, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I know it's a, a bit later in the evening on a Sunday. Um, And yeah, I mean, dear listeners, again, you know, my guest is Gio Bravo. I'm Richard Villegas. This is Song Mess. Uh, the song is called Atrevete. Uh, so we're going to listen to that now. And, you know, nos escuchamos, you know, pronto. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Atrevete a experimentar lo desconocido. 
Yo sé que te fallaron, pero puede ser diferente conmigo Atrévete a obtener lo que un día fue prohibido Yo sí te puedo entregar todo lo que tú siempre has querido Varias semanas pensándote Imaginándote en mi cama acariciándote Y no sé cómo pero sigues escapándote Yo quisiera más que una noche contigo Llegar a ser mucho más que tu amigo Tengo tantos sentimientos escondidos Pero en el amor los dos hemos perdido Baby, date la oportunidad De estar con alguien, baby Que si te vas a ver amar Yo te beso el cuello y te subo al cielo y es que beba contigo, yo sí me atrevo Ay mami, si te arriesgas A una aventura conmigo Ya sé que tú y yo solo somos amigos Pero hay algo en ti que notas, no consigo Pídeme lo que sea Mami, pídeme lo que tú quieras Si quieres yo olvido todas las mujeres Pero dime si conmigo te atreves Mamacita, si te arriesgas conmigo Yo te aseguro, baby, que tú no te arriesgas Yo sé que te fallaron, pero puedes ser diferente conmigo Atrévete a obtener lo que un día fue prohibido Yo sí te puedo entregar todo lo que tú siempre has querido Yeah.